Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, season two, helping pilgrims get ready for their first pilgrimage walk on the Camino. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. So many pilgrims, so many of my listeners are either on the Camino or getting ready to leave home to walk the Camino as this episode is releasing. I am in the latter category with my flight leaving the U.S. on May 9th, 2023. Hi, this is Nancy, and I have a confession to make. I am two weeks away from my travel date. And I have not booked a thing for Spain, except for my flight to Madrid. Nothing, no train ticket, no bus ticket, no first night hotel or guest house, nothing. This, by the way, is not normal for me. But it is the way many pilgrims approach getting started on the Camino. Just a warning, if you are walking in one of the busier times of the year, this approach could lead to higher prices for train and flight tickets, sold-out trains, and booked-out albergues and hotels. I should probably do some planning, eh? Especially since I am going in one of the busiest times of the year on the Camino Frances. Well, here's why I haven't done any planning yet. I have no idea what I will be doing once I get to Spain. Okay, that's not entirely true. I know I will be heading to the Camino Frances, and I know I will be visiting some of my favorite places, and I know I will be doing some research for an audio guide I'm working on for you. I will do some walking, but I'm not sure where yet. I am hoping to meet some of my listeners if the timing lines up and we are in the same place at the same time. I would love to meet you on the Camino. Here's how that can happen. If you join my email list, you will receive updates from the trail and then you can let me know if you are close by and we can meet for a coffee or meal. And speaking of my email list, when you sign up, I will send you a copy of my Camino Planning Roadmap. And then about a week later, you will receive a copy of my top 10 Camino tips that don't usually show up on the top 10 lists. Then every week, I send out an email with more Camino tips and relevant information. And here's the important point. Much of what I share with my email list doesn't ever make it into this podcast. It's just for those on my list. To get on my email list and to get the Camino Planning Roadmap, check the show notes for the link. Or you can go to my website and right on the homepage, you'll find a sign-up form. Go to thecaminoexperience.com and just scroll down the page until you get to the form. Easy. So back to my travel plans. Since I have already walked the Camino Frances many times, I don't feel compelled to walk a certain distance or certain parts. That frees me up to pick my favorites and to walk at a relaxed pace. Spring is my favorite time of year well, anywhere, and that is especially true on the Camino. Everything is green, 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 and the wildflowers are off the charts. The days are getting longer, and all services, albergues, bars, shops, are open. So, I will linger. I will sit on the terrace of my favorite Spanish bars sipping café con leche for more hours than are strictly necessary. And I will be writing the script for the audio guide I mentioned earlier. I hope we meet up. Now, let's get to the good stuff. 
today's episode is another interview, this time with someone you have already met in a previous episode. Here we go. This is Nancy with the You on the Camino podcast, and this is an exciting morning for me coming live on this podcast because I'm back with somebody who we met a few weeks ago, and that is David Gutierrez, who I had the pleasure of meeting on the Camino last year. And David has come back from his Camino, I'm going to say it, on fire to make a difference (laughs) in the world. And I want to get to the heart of what happened to this pilgrim while he was walking the Camino and when he got back. And I also mentioned that on February 11th, David was hosting a fundraiser for a charity in Ecuador. And it was a Camino-themed fundraiser. And I think you're going to love hearing about this. So let me say hello and welcome to David. Hi, Nancy. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yeah, you know, I don't often have people back for a second episode, although I think I'm going to start doing that more because your story touched me so deeply and your enthusiasm and the way that you came at it. And when you shared with me what you had planned for this fundraiser, I was in tears. And I think that our listeners will really relate to the emotional impact that the Camino has for us. And maybe in sharing your story and talking about some of my experiences and what I've heard from other pilgrims, maybe we can start to shed some light on this mystery of what not what is the pilgrimage, what is the Camino, this 500-mile walk across Spain, but what is the Camino in our heart and soul? That's what I'm after. (laughs) Well, it's interesting you say that because that's how I started my presentation at this fundraiser. You know, it it was a full regalia. It was uh, 160 uh, uh, guests. It got sold out within a week or so since we put the tickets out. And uh, but the final part of it, after a, kind of a happy hour, after a full pilgrim meal, was my portion, which was a presentation. Uh, but it started with that exact question, what is the Camino? And after the presentation, it ended on the same question. And I think the, what people thought it was at the very beginning and what they felt and thought it was after the, the presentation uh, was hopefully slightly different. It sounded like it was. So let, <laughs> let's do what I call put the pin in the map, which is you are in New Hampshire. Yep. You're yeah. in Hampton, New Hampshire. Uh, I'm part of a Catholic church in Portsmouth, which is uh, a beautiful seacoast town. Uh, New Hampshire has a very small coastline. It's only 22 miles long. And we're sandwiched in between uh, Massachusetts to our south and then uh, the huge state of Maine to our north. And right along the shoreline, is uh, Hampton and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And that's where I've lived uh, off and on for the last 30 or 40 years. So it's really no wonder that you had people willing to travel to your event because it sounds like you live in an amazing place. It's wonderful. Our big joke is it's a secret. You know, if you're, Mm -hmm. we want people to pass through the state of New Hampshire as quickly as possible. Go to Maine, go to Massachusetts and uh, just stop and buy souvenirs and gas in New Hampshire and then get moving. It's a small state. But within an hour, we can be in downtown Boston. We can certainly be on the ocean. We can be skiing up in the mountains. Yeah, we can we can experience four wonderful seasons all within a, a short drive of where you live in New Hampshire. It's a great sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it really Don't tell is. Me, just visit. Just okay. visit. Oh, okay, I'll come to visit. So I mentioned that because you had 20 or so pilgrims come mm-hmm. to your event who are not from New Hampshire? Where did they come from? Well, they came from all over. So the beauty of this, it was a little, it really was a mustard seed of an idea. Uh, As soon as I got back, so many people, friends, family, parishioners, people I didn't know, but said, well, oh, I heard you on the Camino. When you, what's the Camino, you know? And of course you can't do it in 10 minutes. So I started thinking, well, I'll just have a little gathering, invite some people and I'll use a uh, the church hall or the basement or something, and we'll have some people over. And and out of that little tiny idea grew the uh, the two things I'm passionate about now in this stage of my life is uh, obviously the Camino is one. And the other one is about eight years ago, I was asked to be a translator on a mission down to Ecuador. And I met a beautiful Catholic nun named Sister Annie, who's from Brooklyn, New York. 
looks and talks like a Brooklyn, New York person, doesn't look like what you would think a nun was. But she had gone down as a young, young, young nun to Ecuador to be a teacher and literally was stepping over people in the streets who uh, had leprosy and very quickly changed from being a teacher of young school kids to ministering to people who were dying and suffering severely from uh, leprosy. And so I met her 25 years after she was down there and she has a little clinic and uh, she's a living, breathing uh, Mother Teresa. She truly is. If you have never met Mother Teresa, you have an opportunity to see a love, uh, a loving, living legend in Sister Annie Credidio. So bottom line is those are my two passions. And this little mustard seed of an idea says, well, I'm going to do a gathering because, as you know, Nancy, I'm um, part Japanese and part Mexican. I mean, you can't do anything without making it a fiesta. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Let's have a party. <laughs> exactly. So it became, well, I, I just can't offer like coffee and tea and cookies. Let's make this a big deal. And then I asked five or six friends to help. We formed a little subcommittee and within six months it grew into this gala fundraiser event. We called it an evening on the Camino de Santiago. It was open to the public. We sold tickets, had sponsors who uh, paid and donated money and had tables. And God bless my wife, Lori, who's a decorator. She took on the uh, the theme and ran with it. And you've seen pictures. I'll share pictures with you and you can share it any way you want. But this this large uh, modern dining hall uh, had the look, feel, sound and smell of the Camino. And I don't mean body odor. I mean, uh, we had really good food. Okay. See, when you said smell of the Camino, I immediately went to that smell in an albergue dorm room at about (laughs) eight o'clock in the evening after 30 pilgrims have come in with their sweaty clothes. They've all showered in the adjoining bathroom. So the steam has come into the room and turned it into a sweat sock smelling sauna. Yep. 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 Yeah. I thought that would get your attention. So I I like your smell better. It was, it was wonderful. We had live music. We had volunteers who, who practiced every weekend for six weekends and sang Spanish songs in Spanish. So people walked up, they were greeted by greeters. They of course saw a big Camino shell and the yellow arrow and they walked into the dining hall and it's this big open air dining hall and they heard live Spanish music. And they immediately saw the yellows and reds and the uh, Spanish flag and the Camino arrow and shell festooned everywhere. So. Wow. So the greeters, though, and, and we, haven't, we haven't nailed this point. I want to make sure people understand the pilgrims who came from where? Where did they come from to support you in this? Well, so part of this little mustard idea, idea was, was that there's no way I or you or anyone can tell the Camino story. I mean, it would take hours and hours and no one has the time or patience and people would walk away unfed, you know, un, uh, still unsatisfied, mm-hmm. unsatisfied. That's the right mm-hmm. term. Thank you. So what ended up happening was uh, was to come up with let's invite lots of pilgrims, lots of pilgrims, people I had met on my Camino last year, uh, people that are part of the uh, APOC, American Pilgrims on the Camino, the organization that's uh, throughout the U.S., they happen to have strong chapters in Massachusetts, Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut, and Vermont. So I invited all of their league presidents to invite their members to come up to this Camino fundraiser. And they knew it was a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And they knew they were not going to be asked to be guest speakers or anything like that. But uh, I had 21 people raise their hands, including uh, two good Camino friends who flew in from Germany. They'd never been in the U.S. So they stayed at our house. We had two uh, two representatives fly up from the Damien House in Ecuador. They stayed at our house. <laughs> Are you getting the theme here? Our little tiny cape was flowing with with pilgrims. My wife, who God bless her, had uh, had heard about my Camino stories all throughout the Camino in the last year. Saw within about ten minutes what it was like for pilgrims to be with pilgrims. Ah. Instantly, everybody was sitting on the floor. Everybody had their shoes off. We had a fire in the fireplace. There was food and drinks going around. And and even, these pilgrims didn't know each other. They just knew they were pilgrims mm-hmm. and had been on different Caminos. And within, as you know, 10 minutes, she got to see and experience what the bond is like and the emotion is like mm-hmm. 
when you're when you're on a pilgrimage, when you're on the Camino and you meet someone. And these people, I'll be honest with you, other than a couple of them, if I crossed their path twice over the 35 days, that was a lot. And yet from that brief passing, it could have been lunch or dinner or or a cup of uh, of uh, uh, cafe con leche. They all raised their hand and said, we'll be there. We'll show up. It's so interesting because we th- we have these little micro interactions on the Camino and the only thing we have in common is that we are on the Camino. And so there's got to be something so deep about the pilgrimage, you know, because it's not just that we both care. We all carry a backpack or we had to buy the right boots or sandals in your case or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's not the physicality of the Camino. It's what it does to us on the inside, the emotional, spiritual connections that even if we don't have that, because the Camino is the Camino is that thread that binds us together. Correct. That is absolutely right. That's, that's absolutely right. Absolutely right. hundred percent. And, and you and I met just before Santo Domingo, as it had just started raining how how long did we walk and talk together? Maybe 30 minutes, 45? Maybe, yeah, 30 minutes. And you mentioned yeah. uh, uh, the Albergue I Should Stay Out, that municipal one, which was very famous and old, and I love it. It's one of my favorites. It it made one of the slides, one of the few pictures of my presentation. Great. Uh, and then we crossed paths again in Sahagoon. In Sahagoon, yeah. And we got you set up with your halfway certificate. Which I wasn't even aware of until we bumped into it. And you said, oh, by the way, across the street, you can get your... And we did. And then yeah. you told me which train to grab to get to Leon. And, and what are the chances? I, I mean, this is this is what's so fun. And I think one of the things that pilgrims are just tickled by is what are the chances? Here's this guy I saw, what, a week and a half ago? Yeah. And so we sat down and we talked. We got caught up. Then you shared more of your story. I shared more of my story. We shared a drink. You got your certificate. I walked on. You got on a train. And, and then, then now, it's almost a, a year later, we're we're we're. We're kind buddies. Yeah, we're yeah. buddies. You know, yeah. buddies. And, yeah. So I think that's that's part of the uh, that's part of the thread or cosmic tumblers of the Camino. They click, yeah. and certain things click very well and open up. But I think, and part of my conversation during the presentation was that you have to be open to it. You have mm-hmm. to go in with an open attitude. You know, you have to be open to, and it doesn't has nothing to do with your spiritual being at the point in time. Mm-hmm. It has to be with I'm going to do this and whichever way I'm pulled or tugged, I'm going to go with it and, and see what it brings. And I also want to say that it's, it doesn't happen with everybody. I met, I met hundreds of people, but I'm not talking to all of them a year after the Camino. So in terms of expectations, I think it is important to mention that it's a little bit like life. We Correct. meet people in life. You could strike up a conversation in line at the grocery store and find your right. new best friend. Right. Or then that whole sea of other people who are at the deli and the meat counter and the produce department who you would never talk to. Right. And I think the other part is we never know what impact we have with, with other people. The uh, Two of the pilgrims that stayed with us, I said, flew in from Germany. They'd never been to the U.S. before. I didn't feel that strongly about the interaction. I didn't realize it, but it certainly had an effect on them. And when I reached out to them, we had a little Zoom meeting. And she said after that, yeah, definitely. Her husband encouraged her and our good friend to come to the U.S. and help with us. And whatever that urging was, it worked out. We just don't know where things are going to go. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So let's go, <laughs> let's go back to New Hampshire to February 11th and the night of your event. Would you walk us through all the Camino-themed elements and the journey? You actually created a journey for your guests. Would you share that with us? Well, again, it it, it just kind of grew. Uh, there were five or six of us, and everybody started latching onto these ideas. Uh, and uh, so we knew we'd have 160, which is the maximum that the dining hall can hold. So simple math said, well, if we do 20 tables, that's eight per eight guests per, and uh, one of those guests will be a pilgrim. So again, part of the thinking early on was, let's have a pilgrim. Uh, sitting down at each table with a guest so that they have a chance to talk to that pilgrim and ask them lots of questions during happy hour, which was beverages and 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 tapas. And then during the meal, which was a pilgrim meal, it was paella, which is unheard of in New Hampshire. I had to go to a restaurant, believe it or not. I had to talk to the head chef, give him a recipe, which 
I don't know if he was happy for that or insulted by the fact that he I had to show him this is and a simple salad and a vegetable soup. So those were all some of the themes. Pilgrims are going to be there the minute uh, the guests walk in the door. Uh, live Spanish music, festooned in the colors of Spain, a pilgrim at every table. And because there were 20 tables, then it, it became very natural for the tables to be named after each of the villages and major cities on the Camino Francais, with number one table being Santiago de, or uh, uh, Saint Jean Pied de Port. And number 20, uh, where a parish priest would sit, of course, would be uh, Santiago. And all the villages in between, Roncesvalles and Zubiri and Pamplona. And again, the tables were decorated, and on each table was a small uh, laminated card with a picture of and a little brief story or history of each of the cities or villages. And it just went on and on from there. There was also a Cruz de Ferro, one of the pilgrims who lived in New England. Uh, uh, loves metalwork and he forged an exact replica of the cross and he donated it to our parish and it's sitting in our parish hall right now but it's of course it's not the pole but it's the the, the cross itself which is 16 inches by 40, 40 inches hand forged and so that stood in the corner of the dining hall with a uh, a little bowl of stones and a little bio written about what the cruise was and guests were invited to uh, lay a stone at the at the cross. And of wow. course, the pilgrims were telling the story. So this was, I call this an immersive event. This was not a, a rubber chicken meal with a 50-minute slideshow by your uncle talking about his vacation. This was <laughs> an immersive, interactive event. And one last thing I will tell you, there were 15 pilgrims that could not attend. You were one of them. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, again, came up with a little questionnaire that the pilgrims answered. And they were turned into these beautiful three foot by two foot posters, color posters with the picture of the pilgrim. You submitted one and, and they were taped to the wall. And of course, there was a Camino arrow directing guests to go from one poster to another. And so they were they were they were hanging on the walls of the dining hall so that guests were encouraged to read the different pilgrim stories, number one. And number two. I think one of the really cool ideas was we had little credentials printed up with 20 slots on it. And at each of the 20 tables uh, was a little stamp. And we encouraged guests to walk their own Camino within the dining hall, starting with table one and ending in table 20. And a lot of them did that. Wow. A lot of them loved it. And they went from table to table, putting the little stamp and sticker. So it really was this mustard seed of an idea was just lifted up by the spirit. And it, it grew into a highly successful event. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, and we'll talk about the success of the event too, because you have told me the outcome of the fundraising and I want to make sure we talk about that. So then they had the meal, which mm -hmm. was a pilgrim style meal, which was served pilgrim style at the table. So it wasn't a single plated event and everybody got served by a waiter in a tux. Right, right. You know, I, uh, you can tell that I'm not hesitant to speak. So I was a master of ceremonies, had a <laughs> microphone, and uh, and I would encourage people as they as a guest came in to to follow. You know, all the different opportunities in front of them. When it came time to serve the meal, which was catered, uh, I saw it arrive in the back of the dining hall, and I said, "You're about to enjoy a pilgrim meal, and it's going to be served as pilgrims. There's no buffet line. There's no servers. There's no waiters." The salad soup and the paella will be brought to the table. And it was it was presented in a way that each table it could feed eight people. So it was that's how the caterer delivered it. And I said, this is a Camino meal. It's all family style, you know. And if it's not very hot, then say thank you. If it's way too hot or too spicy, just say thank you. You don't have enough, but another table next to you has more, then you should go to the other table. If you want to talk to someone at a different table, then get up and squeeze a chair in. This is a Camino meal. For the next 45 minutes, you're a pilgrim in an albergue enjoying a meal. Just say thank you and enjoy it. And there was bread baskets and olive oils and olives and bread and, and paella and salad and, uh, and all of that. So it was uh, people understood that. And I think they liked that. It was a breath of fresh air of, of sitting down and serving each other, getting up 
asking for seconds from another table or sharing what extra they had with another table so that everybody was uh, felt very familial and communal. Hmm. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I always go to when people talk about the Camino and when they go back home and they miss being on the Camino, I'm going to bookend it. When people are getting ready to go to the Camino, they have these images of these shared pilgrim meals and they're like, that's what I want. Where are all the good shared pilgrim meals? And then when we get back, we're like, I miss the Camino. I want the Camino. What, what is it that we're missing? Well, I'm going to assert that it's not the pilgrim meal. It's what the pilgrim meal provides. So what is it about the pilgrim meal? Well, and I'll be honest with you, you know, being half Hispanic and having been on the Camino and lived, you know, in, in Latin America, et cetera, the, to me, the meal was was average. Mm -hmm. You know, the paella from New Hampshire was, uh, don't, I hope the chef doesn't hear this, but <laughs> but everybody raved about it. I was shocked because I, I quietly took the pulse from a lot of people who I like and respect that were involved with this whole presentation and those that were just pure guests that walked in with no idea what was going to happen. And every one of them said that the meal was one of the best tasting meals they've ever had. And I just goes to show you that how you enjoy the meal has somewhat to do with how the meal actually tastes, but it's way more about the comradeship. And that's mm -hmm. why I can't think of a single bad meal I had on the Camino. <laughs> Isn't that something? Because I've had some truly terrible food on the yep. Camino yep. and I'm a vegetarian. So there's an added hurdle there. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. When you're with people who you're connecting with, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 There's yeah. something about breaking bread and passing the bottle and passing the salad bowl and passing yeah. the bowl of bread. And, and uh, one, again, you keep asking one of the things I have to keep bragging about this. So, you know, talk about chance meetings. I'm, uh, I'm just chatting with someone out in public uh, about four weeks before this happens. And I invite him and his wife to the Camino. He said, well, we can't come to that. You know, we're, we're booked that night. But I'd like to help. I said, well, that's nice. So he gives me his card. He's the commissioner of all the prisons in the state of Maine. He oversees uh, the, all the, the uh, prison system through the state of Maine. So a fairly senior position. And I'm chatting with him. And he says, well, what can we do? We have a 60-person woodworking shop. Can we make something and donate it to you as part of the fundraiser? And I'm just thinking, I said, I, I, I have no idea. And he said, well, what about bowls for the bread? You've got 20 tables. I said, yeah. So in 10 days time, his carpentry shop turned out these beautiful wooden bowls. They're about seven inches deep and about 15 inches wide. They're laminated wood. They're treated. And then they're burnished with a Camino shell. And it oh says, my gosh. Uh, oh my gosh! That was another chance Camino gift, and every table had the bread bowl on their table, and it had the Camino shell, and it was it was overflowing with bread, and that was what was passed around as people broke bread, uh, drank a little sangria and some Spanish wine, and and talked and talked. I had to cut them short. We allowed forty five <laughs> minutes, and I said, you know, we're going to be here till midnight, so we need to wrap it up. So the coup de gras on the meal was that's all cleared. They all cleared themselves. They, you know, each person from the table kind of put it away, cleaned it all up. And God bless the ladies in our parish. We had four ladies that are accomplished bakers. Mm. And so the Santiago almond cake was recreated. It was beautiful. It had the dusted powder, Spanish cross on it. And it was absolutely perfect. There was one brought out to each table, of course. Each one, you could cut into eight pieces. And people had coffee and tea and Spanish almond cake to finish off their pilgrim meal. I love that cake. <laughs> you know, what you just told me, the, the woodworker and the bakers yep. and all yep. the people, what I conclude from that is that people just want to contribute and they mm -hmm. want to participate. And that's what this provided. Yes. Yeah. Uh, again, other than the 20 pilgrims that showed up, everyone else had heard of it maybe thought about it, uh, had certainly had experience with me because we were parishioners or neighbors or friends, but they they were just raising their hand to uh, say, what can I do? And they would take a little idea and grow. The credential was a woman that 
that has some really good AV skills or some mm. graphic skills. Graphic and all of a sudden, design. Yeah. And all of a sudden I've got this little fold out, <laughs> a little credential. I said, holy smoke. She says, yeah, there's 20 slots for each of the villages. I said, wow. okay, thank you. See, we, we want to say yes to things. We really yes. do. We really yes. do. Yep. So share with us, please, if you would, the presentation. So the, just the general overview of it, the heart of it, and that <laughs> ending that you came up with. I mean, you know, what, what did they see at the end? As it got close to the event and I saw how pitch perfect everything was, my wife and the, her team had decorated it perfectly. We had a tasting on the meal at the restaurant the week before, and it was coming out really good, at least according to the people on my group that were tasting it. And I'm sitting there saying, holy smokes, my presentation better, better get its <laughs> act together. Because I hadn't, I, you know, I thought about it, but I hadn't put a lot of thought into it. And of course... So many people, I quietly asked for opinions, and they they were wonderful. They were giving me a lot of presentation ideas, lots of presentations. It's got to be this short. It's got to be this many slides. You got to do this. You got to hit these cases. And I have to admit, I don't remember a moment when it clicked, but when I looked at the finished presentation and kind of walked through it a few days beforehand, I realized this wasn't a presentation at all. What it was was a story. And to look at it as a presentation would not do it justice. Mm -hmm. And no one that reads a good story, whether it's To Kill a Mockingbird or or uh, The Grapes of Wrath, sits there and complains, oh, it was way too long. Oh, it was too this. It just, oh, my gosh. You, if it's a great story, you close the book and you want it to go on. And not that this was a great, but it totally freed up my ideas of this isn't a presentation. This is, this is my story. And this is the Camino de Santiago. And so that's what it went. And it started with a simple slide that says, what is the Camino? Because uh, the first three or four slides and minutes were answering the basic questions. What is it? Where is it? How long is it? How long does it take? Uh, the, when did you go? It's why'd you do it? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And so the slides uh, kind of walk through those basic things. But I laid the groundwork that the Camino, when it's done, if you're prepared for it, spiritually and physically and mentally it said you do transform in those three stages of physical emotional and spiritual and so when i showed a picture of spain and, and the different provinces you know la rioja and then navarre and then galicia i overlaid on that well really it if allowed and if you're lucky and fortunate you'll go through these stages of the physical emotional and spiritual and that's the seed that i planted and then the story just kind of unfolded for there. It wasn't such a chronological story. I went here and then I hear and, oh, here's a picture of somebody that something's funny that nobody would understand. It wasn't that. It was yeah. really kind of quietly amplifying and underscoring each of those three stages. Mm -hmm. And so I would pick and choose slides from different parts of the Camino because 99% of them wouldn't know that, oh, that was before that. But it helped to amplify each of the stages, the physical, the emotional, and then the spiritual. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was well received again, based on feedback and, uh, and not to pat myself on the back, but it was comparable to the almond cake, the paella, <laughs> and the decoration and the live music. So I think something set the bar high and then everything else seemed to rise to meet it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those. It's one of those. Uh, one of my favorite, favorite books of all time is called The Art of Pilgrimage by Phil Cousineau. He's a San Francisco author. And his book lays out the stages of pilgrimage and the physical, emotional, spiritual is all part of it. He actually starts from when the longing begins for something more. Yeah. And then the pilgrimage calls to you all the way to the end. And when talking to you before your event, I was so dialed into what Phil Cousineau calls bringing back the boon. So the boon is the benefit. It's the benefit of what we come home with. And the pilgrimage experience for us is so significant. And we can remember because we walked, we went at the pace of walking, we remember that tree and we remember the bar. We remember the conversation we had next to that particular signpost. Yeah. But as you describe, people who haven't been on the Camino are like, huh, what? But what Phil Cousineau says is that the story we bring back is the boon. So what you did in creating this event is you brought back the story 
And what he says is, tell what you have learned from your journey. Right. The signpost in the tree, you know, I care because right. I was there. To, I was there right. another time under that tree. Right. But the gift that you brought back to these people in the room was your story and the the lessons learned from the story. What you will never lose, even if you never go back to that tree. Right. And that's exactly it. And quite honestly, you know, it did reach a crescendo, which was what you'd expect. It'd be the last 20 kilometers and the wonderful pictures and uh, the large crowds as you head into Santiago. And luckily, again, I was, you know, there were so many cosmic tumblers, but I hadn't thought of it, but I had a small video as you enter under the archway and you hear the bagpiper. And I had a little video of that. So I kind of stopped talking. And, and I said in the last 20 kilometers, the last few slides, I asked all the pilgrims to get up from the table. The lights went on in the dining hall and they all stood up beside me. So there's 21 of us. And they all got a standing ovation as they all walked up. And they all stood beside us. And then I, I quietly flicked through the slides with minimal commentary showing the archway and then the, the photos in the uh, in the uh, square and then the Compostela and then the pilgrim mass. Again, I was blessed to have a video and they did the Botafomero. And then finally, the last few slides of uh, the, uh, kneeling at the tomb of St. James. Mm. But it ended up, like you said, the very last slide was the one I started the presentation, which is a beautiful countryside and, and the question, what is the Camino de Santiago? And I have to tell you, I ended up by saying, this is it. You're looking at it. You just felt it in a very, very small way. The last two and a half hours from the moment you walked in and throughout and looking up here at 20 people, some of us who know each other, some of us who don't, some have flown in from, again, Germany, Missouri, North Carolina, Maryland, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And posters from all over the world, from Israel from vancouver british columbia from seattle washington from san francisco from ireland you know from syria uh, this is the camino and i said that i said that it's not what you wear it's not which trail you walk it's not whether you're in a hotel or a hostel this is the camino right you're looking at it you had a small taste of it you've had a small sense of feeling of what the camino is and that's how we ended uh, i am so sorry that I wasn't there. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's true. I think for those who really get it and come back and the boon is it's it's uh, yeah, it's all the little memories and all the little things. But it's it's this, this growing sense of of uh, something special. Mm -hmm. Some people try and that one of my questions for you is some people try and recreate it. And I kind of look at it like, well, you're trying to go back to college again over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. There are some people that are, you know, that's, uh, I think of the 21 pilgrims, well over half of them have done it more than once. And I would say at least four of them have done it six to eight times in all. I would say half of them are ready to go back or are going back. They have active plans this year and next year to go back. So I get that. What's with that? Why, why would they go back again and again? I, I think it just touches and resonates something deeply with them. For me, quite honestly, I have a love of the Damien house and I feel, and I answered the question, honestly, when I go back, I said, well, my Camino path leads me towards Ecuador right now. Mm. It's no different. And it's carrying the boon and it's sharing with other people who happen to be less fortunate, but that's, <laughs> it gives me the same sense and feeling. Would I like to go back on the France? Oh, absolutely. I'd be there April 18th again. Just, just <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? I'm going to share another quote from The Art of Pilgrimage, and the author quotes Joseph Campbell, who's very well known in the world of mythology and was also, yep. as I understand it, a mentor to Phil Cousineau. And he says, the ultimate aim of the quest must be neither release nor ecstasy for oneself, but the wisdom and power to serve others. Serve others. And isn't that just the heart of it? Yep. Yeah, because at the core of the Camino, uh, it was the amazing willingness of people to help each other out, mm -hmm. which is it doesn't mean money. It doesn't mean, oh, here's my sleeping bag. Oh, take the top bunk or bottom bunk. It's simply uh, a heartfelt greeting. Hi, how are you? You know, buen Camino. You know, it's sincere and deep. And so that's that's yeah. that's the connection with others. And sometimes it's just acknowledging that, yeah, this is hard. And I get, I, you know, brother, I hear you. This is hard for me too. 
my mm-hmm. feet hurt. I've got blisters, my knee, my, my hip, my back, my, I'm hungry. I haven't had, you know, haven't had, but to be able to really understand that we're all in this together mm-hmm. and we're mm-hmm. all seeking the same physical goal. Our goal is all to walk to Santiago mm-hmm. And we truly are all in this together. And I think the albergues are a really great place to dial into that as well, because you're sharing in pretty intimate space yeah. with oftentimes strangers. Yeah. And we really are all in it together on yeah. this journey. Right. Yeah. There's not a lot of artificiality to it. So I encouraged everybody. I said, you know, if you if you really want to go on the pilgrimage, uh, open yourself up to all of it, including the the parts that make you anxious. Uh, scared, nervous, or uncomfortable. Yeah. Not unsafe, but in terms of uncomfortable, in terms of, gee, I don't know if I can sleep with other people. I snore. I don't know if I like this food or whatever. And so right away, they make the Camino uh, more like comfortable the way it would be at home. I do this because it's more comfortable. Huh? Mm-hmm. I think part of the openness is is push that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And also honor. For me, it was a journey to learn to honor myself. Because right. the first seven years I was returning to the Camino, I forced myself to stay in the albergues and the shared dorms right. and had very few good experiences, good, satisfying experiences. There were certainly times when I connected with other pilgrims, but for me, I connected on the trail and when we took a break mm-hmm. and when we were walking. And right. so for me, the sleeping time was sacred time for me right. to have my privacy. And I think what we're really seeing in the conversation now is that people are finding that nice balance between connecting and camaraderie and honoring their own needs. And mm-hmm. I think it's a really important transition. Yeah. Or transformation. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really good. Yeah. But bringing back that boon is such a personal thing. And I, I for me, it's been a long, long time question of, well, what is it that I want to bring back? And mm-hmm. what is it that I'm missing so terribly? And can I have that in my everyday life? And so earlier when you were talking about the pilgrim's meal and about how that it was almost like camaraderie in a box, like, oh, got the wine, got the bread, got the paella. Okay, we got, we got camaraderie. And so I'm always interested to think about what could pilgrims do when they come back from the Camino and they're missing it and they're longing and they're looking at their life and suddenly their lives look flat or they look like beige wallpaper, just completely colorless. Well, that is one thing that we can do is we can say, you know what, darn it, I'm just going to host a pilgrim's meal and everybody brings something and we're going to gather around the table and let's see what happens next. Right. What else can people do? Would you say? Well, I, I think that's that's a big part of it, and I think uh, giving and helping other people, mm-hmm. you know, just giving of yourself. Uh, it doesn't have to be Ecuador; it could be anywhere. It could be your neighbor. It could just be someone that you don't know that that you could help out, and that's part of it. So, and that's part of what people are yearning for when they come back is to reconnect with that general feeling of of well being and connected to other human beings which you get from the other human beings. But I don't think a lot of people recognize that the path they're walking and the history that's seeping through them mm. as they walk the same steps that, that a million other people have done. Part of my presentation showed on the spiritual aspect of it, uh, whether you were spiritual or not, but to always pop into a local uh, cathedral or church or chapel or anything. I said, take your shoes off set your pack down, fall asleep if you want, but know that where you're sitting is typically hundreds of years old. A lot of people have done it before. It's been built by hand. A lot of pilgrims helped to build it because they had no money and they needed to a place to stay and a meal to eat and pitched in if they could. And that alone kind of seeps into your bones and into your psyche and that just makes it very special. It really, truly is walking on holy ground. It really, truly is. And then I think my personal thought is when we can start to realize that every step wherever we are is holy ground, Mm -hmm. that's when the Camino's with us all the time. Yeah. 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 
Absolutely. Yeah. One of the highlights for the, for the guests was, uh, obviously, uh, the cruise de Ferro. Mm -hmm. And when they see the, uh, when they understand the story and the stones, and then they see the picture of the pole and the, and the pile that's at its base. And it has been there for, you know, since 900 AD. It's, it's like, wow. And every stone you step on is somebody's heartfelt tears or pain or thankfulness. Yeah. It's really extraordinary. It is. It really is. I love metaphor and I love metaphysics and, and to look at all the meaning behind all of this. And some of it is, seems to be intrinsic meaning and some of it we just add in. And so what, you know, let's add in whatever meaning, whatever meaning supports us in our spiritual or personal growth and how we become more engaged and more connected to the world and to our right. neighbors and our families and friends. Yeah. It's really right. extraordinary. Right. So let's go back to Damien House and your mm -hmm. fundraiser. How did you intend to measure success for this event? Well, so it started like everything else, you know, when you think about the Camino, how many miles, is it, how many days is it, how much money am I going to spend on it? And so well, how much are we going to raise? What if we, what's your bar, David? I mean, is it 8,000, 10,000, 20,000, 15,000? And again, it kind of migrated towards the end saying that uh, the reality, my measure of success will be if we are able to bring several people closer to spirituality or to wanting to dedicate their lives to helping others. If another, if the next sister Annie's in the audience, or as you and I know, the friend of a friend of a relation that we bump into and talk about what happened tonight, and all of a sudden it helps connect them down the road, that would be the measure of success. Now, ultimately, uh, I will tell you, with 160 guests, we brought in over $15,000 and in Ecuador and for the Damien house, I like to use the metaphor that, you know, a dollar's worth $10 down there. So it was a, it was by all measures, very successful. It was well very done. successful. And what's really interesting is many of the pilgrims now, including the two women from Germany are uh, going to look to do small fundraisers back in their neighborhoods, all towards the Damien house. And so just like the many trails on the Camino now, mm -hmm. hopefully there'll be a lot more connections to help support this wonderful little clinic down in the middle of Guayaquil, Ecuador, helping people with leprosy. So Wonderful. It's, uh, really making a difference. It makes a difference. It's, it's yeah. more like Sister Mother Teresa said, right? Uh, it makes a difference to that one person. It does. We might not change the entire world in one fell swoop, but one person's one life person. touch is worth the effort. It is. I'm going to put the link for Damien House in the notes for this show. So if anybody would like to donate, because the event was on February 11th, but donations are accepted at all times. Yes? Yes, absolutely. In fact, when I said 15,000, we actually had to cut the, the date off just because so many people were asking, well, how'd it go? How'd it go? Because actually more contributions were flowing in even mm -hmm. yesterday and today and will continue. So that's a good news. That number will keep going up. Right. Absolutely. And what we know about these types of organizations is that they always need assistance. There's Correct. always room for another donation, no matter how big or small. Yeah, yep, yep, absolutely. I'm going to wrap this up with a question of, you know, you mentioned that you are, you're involved in a parish, a Catholic parish, mm -hmm. and that is your chosen faith tradition. Mm -hmm. Some people listening might want, might think, well, I'm not Catholic, so what what would I do? So what what advice would you have to the general world out there mm -hmm. that would say, you know what, if if you want to make a difference, here's a step. Right. Well, I mean, do the Camino. So one of the posters, <laughs> the last sentence by the pilgrim, and I read that off to everybody, is if more people walk the, the Camino, the world would be a better place. And number two, when you do walk it, forget about any kind of religious background, just just be totally open and hope for that spirit, like you said, walking on holy ground. You don't have to be religious to understand that millions of people doing what you're doing, you know, carries a lot of weight and meant something to them. A lot of them died on the way. So, so take that with you. So yeah, it has very little to do with religion. It happens to be my driving force, mm -hmm. but I'll be honest with you. I knew a lot of the pilgrims that were not religious, but they're very spiritual thanks to, uh, thanks to the Camino. And could you have imagined, um, you said April 18th, April 17th, as you're getting ready to go to the airport, did you have any idea this is where you'd be? No, no. <laughs> and, you know, I thank my dad. Like you said, we were talking about our dads before the show started. He instilled a love of the outdoors. 
since I was a little kid. So backpacking and camping and anything outdoors was always great. The Grand Canyon was always a second home to me. And so he planted that seed, you know, when I'm six years old and here I am 60 years later. And when I retired, oh, the Camino, you know, because of its outdoors and its challenge. So, I mean, it clicked. So that seed was planted way before. It wasn't just me. It was, it was planted and a lot of other seeds were planted that just happened to come to fruition. So, yeah. So if you're thinking about it, go do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just right. go do it. I think there is a definite need for people to go on the Camino. And then I think there's a definite need for those who've done the Camino to help find a way to, to retain, regain, and channel that spirit to yeah. keep it kindled and grow it. And it, it doesn't have to be on the Camino again. It could be like we talked about. Yeah. The real Camino spirit is helping and connecting with other human beings in a good, positive way. Absolutely. So I'm going to share, to wrap up, I'm going to share one more quote from The Art of Pilgrimage. I'm going to change it slightly to meet our needs here. A lot of people talk about the Camino as the journey and as the experience and as Santiago, the destination, and that being the end of the pilgrimage. Many of us know that that is not the end. That's the beginning. And then we return home and we go, huh? What now? Well, what Phil Cousineau says in The Art of Pilgrimage is, imagine your return home as the next act of an epic story. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so let's go live those stories and let's see what we can do out in the world to make it a, you know, even our neighborhood or our circle of friends or our communities or whatever. Yeah. And I know that for some people that could sound sort of, idealistic or Pollyanna or pie in the sky. But what we've learned on the Camino, I, at least what I've learned, is that every interaction matters and it can make a difference or it can do damage or something in between. And we have a choice. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly every interaction. I would never have imagined the people that showed up and contributed because of other interactions that either I'd forgotten or didn't think very much of, but it, it yeah. made a big difference to them. So Yeah. And often we just don't know what our words or our actions will start. Those seeds you just talked about, we don't know how or where the seed will grow, but the more seeds we put out there that could grow, yeah. the better chance. Yeah. David, thank you again for your time. I've really enjoyed this. I hope our listeners have enjoyed your story and will be inspired to go make a difference in their worlds. Well, and thank you on behalf of Sister Annie and uh, Damien House and, and myself, thanks for everything. And, and putting that, their website on your, uh, on your blog would be outstanding. That would be helpful. You never know. Absolutely. All right, thank you. All right.